Right on, good morning. It's good to see you today. I'm a happy, happy Thanksgiving week. Can you believe that it's here already? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be hanging out with you this morning as we continue on with Gone Fishing. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 4, where we've been walking through Jesus' temptations, uh, because these are, the, these are the areas, these are the places that Jesus gives us and shows us highlights for us that we get to go fishing in when he commands us and commissions us to go and fish for people like we're going to look at next week. Uh, the, to, to get really started this week, I want to just press pause and say we got to look back for a moment and see what, uh, see what Matthew chapter 3 had to say uh, and kind of build up till now because if you're just jumping in right now, this might not make a ton of sense because we're at the last temptation that Jesus has to face. Jesus is baptized in chapter 3, and in so doing, in being baptized, which is a representation to us of our old life being dead and gone and being raised up in a new life, that's why we do baptism here, it's this outward demonstration of what happens inside of us. Jesus is baptized, but not because he needs to die to an old way and be raised to a new way. Jesus has always been perfect. Jesus gets baptized for us to identify with you and I as human beings. I'm one of you. I'm not some deity hanging out over there. I am with you. And after Jesus has been baptized by, in obedience to where God has said to go, in chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. The reason we keep on coming back to this, if you've been here through all every week, we keep on coming back to this moment is because this is a powerful identity statement, a powerful identity moment that God has, that God has said to Jesus, this is who you are. And Satan attempts to distract, to attack, and just, uh, pull Jesus away from who God has said, this is who you are. You are my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. In our own life, we have these same tensions and these same challenges. God says, you're my kid, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Not because of your performance, but because you are my kid. If anybody is a parent who has a kid and you watch them go through some really, really hard knock stuff in life, you can recognize I love you and I'm happy that you're my kid, not because you're, you're super amazing, but because uh, I made you. <laughs> I, I like you, I love you, even when you're breaking my heart. God says the same things about Jesus, and this is who Jesus is and who we are. So Satan's temptations attack this very foundation of who Jesus is. The very first temptation, Satan comes after 40 days to Jesus, where Jesus has been walking around in the wilderness, hungry for 40 days, and he says, hey, turn these rocks into bread. In other words, the temptation here is this identity moment of does God really provide? If you're really God's son, why hasn't God provided? The next temptation after Jesus says, we don't live by bread alone. He says, takes Jesus, we set up to last week. Uh, we studied this last week, looked at it last week. Takes Jesus up to the highest point of the temple and says, jump. It'll be amazing. It'll be awesome. It'll gain great notoriety. People will be like, what? 
because you're going to jump and you're not going to fall and hit your foot on a stone. The angels are going to catch you. You're going to do something miraculous and amazing and people will see you for who you are. So this temptation of, is God's way better or should I do it my way because I think it'll get me more fame. Today, going to transition into possibly one of the more challenging ones uh, for me, maybe for you, uh, but today we're going to look at the temptation about power and glory. Verse 8, ah, next the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, this is Satan speaking, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Satan is now quit with the if statements. If you are the son of God or since you are, since you say you are the son of God. He doesn't have these moments of like questioning now. He just gets straight to the point today. He just goes right for the jugular. He's just like, I'm not going to mess around anymore. You've already, dis- you've already blown back about my last two ones and had these answers for me. I'm going to just go straight to the point. I can get you where you want to go quicker. I can get you where you want to go quicker. Now, if you remember, Matthew is writing this whole, this whole gospel, this whole capture of Jesus' story to Jewish people, Jewish believers... Uh, who understand, or Jewish people who understand the history of the promises that the prophets and the Old Testament makes about a coming, rescuing Messiah. And he sets the whole of his argument up of a description of who Jesus is based on this idea. I want to explain, I want to demonstrate, I want to show that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these promises that were made before. So he's this rescuing Savior that the prophets and the the Old Testament say is coming, but included in these promises of the coming Messiah who will rescue the Israelites from uh, from their bondage and their captivity, uh, will rescue humanity itself from its bondage and captivity, are also these promises of how he's going to be treated. He's going to have pain, He's going to have rejection, he's going to have death, and he's going to raise from the dead. These are incredible promises that we can look back on because it's not our skin in the game. (laughs) Go, yay. But if you were to look forward and I were to say, hey, you know what? This is what's promised about you. You're going to get your, 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 your skin shredded from your body. It's going to be so painful. There's going to be needles underneath your fingernails. There's going to be, you know, whatever it is that's most damaging to you. I think most of us would be like, um, can can I write a different story? I don't know anybody who's like, pain! We all look and go, how can we avoid these types of things? That's why we crack when torture comes. That's why this has been so effective or unproductive in history. Jesus has this kind of stuff that's spilled out for him. All of this stuff that is said about him that it's going to happen. And Satan comes and says, what if I could get you the power and the glory without any of the bad stuff, Jesus? 
What happens if I could get you the power and the glory and you don't have to go through any of the hard? I could give it to you, Satan says. And he can. He's not lying here. He's not sitting here going, I'm trying to give you something that I don't have right now. Satan is the prince of the world. And he is stating right here, I will give you what I have if you do something for me. All you have to do is let me be the leader. If you let me be the leader, I will get you shortcutted to the power and glory that is promised you. You get to shortcut the struggle with religious leadership. You get to shortcut all kinds of challenging conversations with people who are out to get you. You get to shortcut being crucified. You get to shortcut pain and agony. Instead, what you get is instant power, instant glory, instant acclaim. Now, maybe for you this morning, uh, you don't have these whole like dreams of like being super notorious or having your name like you know Steve Matson walks down the hallway and everybody goes, oh, there goes Steve. You know, maybe you don't have that kind of moment here. But every single one of us in our society itself, right now, we walk through this challenge of instant gratification. I want stuff and I want it now. Uh, do you, you know, I'm old enough. Do you remember layaway? <laughs> like, imagine that novelty. Now it's like, no, I don't, why, why, why wait for this thing? I want this thing now. I'll get it now, and I'm going to put it on a credit card. You want something, you put it on your credit card. You want food? We got fast food for you. Or if you're really being lazy, you can get your fast food delivered by Uber Eats, which is incredibly, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. Even with the things that we know won't work immediately, we still have this idea of, like, I want my stuff and I want it now. You don't like the way that you look? Diet pills offer fast results. You want more money? There are no end to groups that are saying, I can hook you up with some extra cash in your free time, and it will make you an amazingly rich person. Satan's temptation to Jesus is what we say yes to all the time. Instant gratification has these hidden costs, however. When we try and shortcut and get to the end, instant gratification has these hidden costs. Putting your stuff on credit costs more if you don't pay it off immediately. You end up paying a whole lot more. Fast food is debatable whether it's actually food. And then it sets your body up to need those diet pills. A promise to fast money usually means that you lose what you had in the first place. With Jesus, the stakes aren't as trivial as maybe diet pills or losing your money because of a lack of patience or self-control. Because Jesus identifies with us through baptism, our rescue would have been completely forfeit if he had said, sounds interesting to go without the pain. He couldn't have paid our debt. 
to the Father for sin. He would have been just like every human being who had ever walked the face of the earth, broken and disaster and need of rescue. He would have been exactly like us. If Jesus would have accepted the shortcut, nothing would have changed for you and me. We still wouldn't have any hope, and we would still be lost. Satan says, Jesus, I have a shortcut to you being powerful and seen as glorious. No pain, no death, no struggle. All you have to do is recognize me for who I am, the one in control of all you want, and let me be the leader. Same temptation that we face every day. Who's the leader of you? Who's the leader of you? Do you want to rescue yourself or are you going to let Jesus and, and God be, the Father be the leader of your life? Jesus walks through these exact same temptations that we walk through every day. Hebrews captures it this way in chapter 2. Verse 14 says, Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son, Jesus, also became flesh and blood. For only as human beings, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. That's you and me. That's a long way of saying you and me. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of people, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing. Suffering and testing, just like us. He is able to help us when we are being tested. I can't tell you how incredibly, mm, just, I love this verse. Anybody walking through some testing this week? Anybody woke up this morning and was like, man, you know, this is going to be a hard day, I think. Satan's coming after me already, and, I ha- and my, my feet haven't even hit the floor. Anybody walk through this week and have been faced with this, am I going to rescue myself? Am I going to provide for myself? Am I going to try and get other people to accept me? Or am I going to shortcut my way to something? Anybody facing something this week, this week we're like, I need to, am I going to, am I going to rescue myself? Jesus has been there. Jesus knows. Man, do I find that incredibly helpful. Because in these moments of, of temptation, do you feel like you're all alone? Do you feel like you're the only one? Do you feel like you're the only one who's trying to succeed? I sure do. I feel like I'm all by myself. The writer of Hebrews says, Jesus... He not only knows, he is experienced and he's here to support you because he knows what it's like to walk through testing. He knows what it's like to walk through these moments of, am I going to try and rescue myself? So in this moment of Satan's temptation, 
saying, I can shortcut you to where you want to go. I can take you to where you want to be. I don't, you don't have to walk through any of the pain or the hardship that it takes to get to the end where you want to go. How does Jesus respond to Satan's attempt to lure him? He says, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Every single shortcut, every single shortcut is a lure to get us to remove God from the leadership of our life. Every single one. Every shortcut is a lure that compels us to say, I know better than God knows. I know better than God does. I am smarter. If we really want to talk the truth here for a moment, it says, I'm smarter than God, even when we don't really want to say that out loud. I'm smarter than God. I will do what is best because I know best, know way better than God knows. God's way is too hard for me. God's way is too hard for me. This is why Satan's temptations are so effective in yours and my life. This is why we've gotten derailed, why we have tried to rescue ourselves so many times in our life, because we face these moments and we know that to get to where we want to go, it's not going to be easy. How many of us love the idea of self-discipline? Thanksgiving's coming, I dare you. This is why Satan's temptations are so effective. Doubt leads to our attempts to rescue ourselves. It builds a network of beliefs that lead me to take control of me and to say, God cannot be trusted. I alone can be trusted. I know what's best for me all by myself. No one else. Our society sets this up and we have this very individualistic perspective of how we walk through life. I can't count on you. I gotta, I gotta represent me. I gotta, do, I gotta do me. As we're walking through these moments, the whole of this, the whole of these temptations isn't to look back and have an evaluation from like an intellectual perspective on how Jesus has walked through temptation. As we're walking through this, it's all to see how we suffer and how the people around us are no different. How to fish in the lakes that we walk through and we live in and we have taken and said, this is me. I need to provide for myself. I need to take care of me because God can't be trusted. No one else can be trusted. I don't want to have this. I want to have that. And i got to make my own path to get here. I'm responsible for me. Or to say, I need acceptance. I have to have you. Please accept me. Love me, love me, love me, love me, love me. Like me. Or in this moment, I want to I be worth something. You know, uh, during the summer when it's not cold and rainy and wet, uh, I, I've, I frequently have gone over to next door because it's quiet and very few people want to talk to you. And I'll, I'll go and I'll walk over there around the cemetery plots. And, and it's very, it, it's, it's it, you know, 
it seems really morbid, but at the same point, it's very like quieting moment. I'm 44. I wanted to make, I I wanted to do something that was meaningful for almost all of my life, for as long as I can remember. I wanted to be a person who left a mark on the world that I lived in and didn't fade into oblivion and forgetfulness from people. But as I walk around over there, uh, it, it strikes me yet again, our lives are a blip and we are forgotten quick. We're forgotten really quick. And I don't mean to say that in a bad and negative way. Uh, I'm saying like it's just the way that life is. We want to make, I'm not alone in wanting to make a mark. I'm not alone. I'm not alone in wanting to be something, somebody that, that participates in helping to change the world. I know this. I know that most people want to do that. But as we walk into this moment, we can say, I want to take control and I want to make a name of myself. I want to be one of those speakers who gets like on TV. I want to get to be a person who has a, a radio show, or that's, that's old now, a podcast. I want to have a podcast. I want to be memorable. I want, I want people to see me. I want to be, you know, Austin was throwing everybody on Instagram under the bus. Uh, I want to be an Instagram influencer. I want to do something that people are going to go, wow. We can turn it into this moment, unhelpful as it may be. We can try and say, we're going to get there. I want to make a difference. I want to change things. And I think most people do. Or they've given up and said, I tried, it was too hard, and now throw my hands up and just accept that this is just going to be for the rest of this life. That sounds horrible. But inside of this context, fishing for people is simple because the truth is simple. Though few people are willing to grasp hold of what is truth, because they're afraid of what it means to trust Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this about how it is to follow Jesus. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Fishing for people is simple. But just like you can't force a fish to bite, you can't force a person to believe what is true. Many people in life don't want to let go of control. Jesus' commission to us, however, is not to be intimidated or deterred by rejection, deterred by people saying, I don't know about this. It's to invite people to see what is true even when many people will reject. It's to walk out and say boldly, with confidence, I am God's kid. He loves me. He is pleased with me. I get to give you and offer this to you for free. All to say, I want you to see this whenever you're willing to see it. You've accepted a lie. You've believed a lie. 
I've believed a lie. I've let go of this and I'm different and this is why. But I want to show you that there's truth and the truth will set you free. I've believed lies, you're believing a lie. Here's the truth. Only a few people that I've ever met in my life who have been beaten down and given up want to fade away into history. Only very few. Because there have been a few people that I've met who just said, I give up. I don't care. But I've been beaten down. I've been rejected. I'm not asking you, as we're talking about fishing for people, I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not already doing. I'm looking for plenty of moments, any moment that I can. God, where are you going to give me an opportunity to say anything, to live my life, to, to, to build relationship, to speak what is true? Where are you going to give me an opportunity today? I'm not asking you to do something I'm not. I've been rejected over and over and over and over. There are people who will not talk to me that must face me almost every week. And they go like this. I know what it's like. All I have to do is introduce myself as a pastor. And the conversation is almost always over. I've been beaten down. I've been rejected. I've been lied to. I've been lied about. I've been tempted to give up and quit. And like many, like many, like me, many of you have too. I'm not alone. But here's the deal. First Peter says it very eloquently for us this way. What's our response in this moment? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. This is 1 Peter 5, verse 6. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. Stay alert. Watch out. Your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember, your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and you will place and will place you on a firm foundation. You want to change the world? You want to make this place different than when you were born? You want to leave this place different when you go? Only a liar is going to tell you that it's going to be easy. Only a liar would say, it's, it's going to be like a breeze. No worries. Here's the truth. If you don't give up, you get to share in Jesus' glory. If you don't give up, you get to share in Jesus' glory. The good news that changes everything. But to share in that glory you got to walk through the long, narrow, hard, suffering path. You want to change the world? Stand firm against Satan's attempts to lure you. 
Send him away by repeating to yourself what is true. We call this biblical meditation. Meditate. And I'm not talking about the om kind of meditation. I'm talking about walk through your Bible, grab some verses, and say, this is for me. And repeat that stuff over and over and over and over again. Lean into Jesus who understands what you face when you're in this moment of, do I rescue myself right now? I'm afraid. I'm terrified. I'm afraid of what this possibly means. Is God going to come through? Is he not? Can I trust him? Can I not? Should I just do this for myself? Lean into Jesus who understands what you face and rely on his strength when your strength is gone. And when people reject you, and insult you, and say all kinds of things about you because you are a follower of Jesus. I want you to remember something. That's promised, but there's a beautiful part of it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. You are blessed. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus says, you know you're on the right track at this moment because they've done the same thing to me. We, you, have been rescued to share in Jesus' glory. Don't settle for a shortcut glory that won't deliver what it promises. Don't settle for some short-term, I'm going to get notoriety right now. Someone's going to be like, wow, right now. It won't deliver what it promises. Tell the truth to those who have fallen for the shortcut. Jesus wants you to to rescue us and receive glory that lasts forever. Not one that will be forgotten in a couple generations. I want you to participate in a glory that lasts for eternity, and it's not going to be your fault. It's going to be mine. You just get to chill with me. My brothers and my sisters, maybe we can end with this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Let us not give up. You, my brothers and my sisters, were meant to change the world. You've been rescued to change stuff. Don't give up. Jesus, we come to you right now. We're broken. We get tempted. This is not easy. And only stupid people said it is. But Lord, we don't rely on our strength, we rely on you. 
We don't want to make a name for ourselves. We want to do what you want us to do. And when we get tempted to make a name for ourselves, to make ourselves look glorious, to be remembered in notoriety because of what we've done, Lord Jesus, remind us yet again that this is just a shortcut to try and get what we really, truly want. Meaning, glory that lasts forever with you when this life ends. To hang out and celebration because you changed stuff and you've used us. Lord, this week, I pray that you would motivate us, even as we come to Thanksgiving, to remember over and over and over how you provide, how you've come through personally for our families, for the world that's around us, even we, when we don't recognize it. Help us to see how you come through so that our faith can grow and we can stand firm and confident knowing you do have and will continue to provide for us. Give us opportunities, Jesus, to speak what is true, to tell the truth, because your truth has changed us, and it gives us opportunities as we live this out for people to say, what is different? Why are you like this? Why are you living differently than everybody else does? To be able to tell the truth that you give, and have a peace, and the rest, and the comfort that it gives. Lord Jesus, use us to change the world using your story, preaching your good news, telling what is true and living it out. Lord, we love you, and we look forward to the story that you're going to continue to write using us. In your name we pray. Everybody said...